Thanks for listening to the Highlands podcast. At Highlands, we believe in leading you into a growing relationship with Jesus and equipping you to have a life full of purpose as you build your faith. We can't wait for you to join us next weekend. But for now, enjoy this message from our communicators. Morning, church. How are you going? Good. Another great day in church. I love what happens on a Sunday in this place. I love what happens every day in this place, actually. We always see amazing things happen through the week, and uh, I get really excited about it. Uh, This is our season where we talk about money, and and I want to build a foundation for giving this morning uh, as we give. It's, it's, It's so important we actually get a foundation for why we do what we do. Our heart as a church is that people prosper. It's not just in money, it's in every aspect of life. We want people to prosper and and we take this time, we take a month out of the year to talk about finance because finance is such a big deal in people's lives and we should address it. And uh, as a church, and we do that, and this season of of, uh, within the life of our church, we receive an offering at the end of the um, month of August and what was known as 2C9, 2 Corinthians 9, we now known as expansion because God is leading us into this area of expansion. But our heart is that people don't get bent out of shape in the area of money. It's, it's really interesting because when the church talks about money, people say, oh, the church always talks about money. The only reason we talk about money is we want you to be blessed. That's the only reason. Uh, does the church need money to survive? Of course it does. We've got to turn lights on, air conditioning, all those different things. It's just part of what you've got to do in life. But money's a big deal in people's lives and, and we don't want you to get hurt through a season where we talk about money. So if you, you're visiting today and your first time you've been in here and they're talking about money, yes we are, and we're talking about it for the whole month of August. And, uh, but our prayer is that you are blessed. Our prayer is that you actually catch something of God in this season. So today I want to build a foundation of giving for you uh, because I think sometimes we, I've seen over the years as a pastor, over many years of seeing people get so excited about giving and they give in an offering and then they get so disappointed because they haven't had a foundation built in their life in this area. And they can get swept up in the emotion of the moment. Honestly, in a couple of weeks' time, we'll receive the offering. We'll receive a a special offering in the life of our church. That moment, every time we've done this, God moves. He literally moves in people's lives, and there's excitement, and there's this uh, spirit of faith that comes into the place, which is exciting because I want you to give in faith, but I don't want you to get swept up in the emotion of that and give away more than you meant to. I actually want you to predetermine what you're giving and actually not get swept up. And there's a few reasons for that. And I want to run through a few foundations of giving this morning. The first thing about giving is it's not about the money. It's about our life. As Christians, that's why we do what we do. Romans 12.1 explains it really well. Giving is an act of worship. It says this, And and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living, holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You see, Christianity isn't about segmenting your life. Christianity is about a life with God. When you give your life to Jesus, and there'll be an opportunity for you to do that today if you've never actually given your life to Christ, 
but we give our whole life to Christ. We don't just segment and give a part of it to Christ. And so often in Christianity, we can take church as our Christian experience is church on a Sunday, yet our whole life is our Christian experience. And if you pray a prayer, and the prayer you'll pray later in the service is, goes something like this, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord and be my Saviour. And that's incredibly powerful, but you're actually giving your life away. So if you're a Christian in here, you've actually given your life to God and said, God, do with it what you will. I'm a living, I'm a living sacrifice to you. And out of that sacrifice, God blesses that and the foundation of, of giving is the whole of life of giving, not just money. I like the way the Message Bible puts it. It says it in Romans 12, 1 in the Message. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life and place it before God as an offering. We take our whole life and when we give God our life, we're actually giving Him control of our life. That's where the blessing, where I've found the blessing flows. When, I, when I've given my life over to God and given an area of my life over to God, I find that God moves in that area of my life. And our heart as a church is as we, as we, as we encourage you to give your life to God and give your whole life to God, you'll see Him move in every aspect of life. And I like the way the the message puts it, how he puts it so ordinary in every aspect of life, our walking, our going to work, whatever we're doing, say, God, have your way. With our kids, God, have your way. Uh, it's so important to catch because one of the things we don't want to do is segment it and say, okay, we're going to talk about money now and, and money's giving. No, no, our life is giving. We give money as, as an aspect of what we actually do. You see, giving is not covetousness. So we don't give to get. And there's been a, a doctrine, you've probably heard of it, called the prosperity doctrine. We don't believe in that. We don't believe to give to get. That's not what Christians are called to do. We're not saying, okay, give into an offering and you're going to have a baby. It's not, we don't say that. I love the stories that we hear where people give and say, God, and I love the way Emily explained it. Whatever, God, we're just giving, making you first in our situation. We have a situation, we have our need, and we're making you first. And then God moved. I love that because that's what God's heart is. It, 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 it's not a give to get. Christianity is a live to give. Christianity is a live to give. That we say, we'll give God whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I'll give him my life. I give him my finance. I give him whatever I've got. I choose to say, God, you're Lord of it. And I'm going, I choose to give it. And out of that, that's where the blessing of God flows. It, it flows in every aspect of our life when we live to give. So this morning, I want to just build some foundations in the area of giving finance. Because there's many ways we give. The musicians gave this morning as they played their music and sung. They gave of their life this morning as they go to worship. People out there serving today as they're serving on the door, give of their life to actually serve at the info point. Give of their life. These beautiful people in kids' ministry, how many people are really happy? There's people who love to serve in kids' ministry. Every parent goes, yes and amen. And that's all part of our giving. 
But sometimes when we get to the area of money, our heckles go up. There's something about it, isn't it, that the heckles go up when we talk about money. So I want to build a foundation about giving finance for you today. The first thing when you, build it, when you, when you actually start to give money is to understand the tithe. The tithe in the Christian world, is a, it's a funny word, the tithe. It, all it means is 10%. That's what it means. And uh, people will say, ah, well, where is it in the New Testament? It was only in the law. Well, actually, tithing started before the law. Tithing started in, in uh, Genesis, where the, Abraham bought a tithe. Uh, and it goes all the way through Scripture. And you'll see it wander all the way through Scripture. In the New Testament, Jesus talks about tithing, bringing a tithe in. Uh, and tithing is foundational in the area of giving. So let's have a look at Malachi 3.10. You've probably heard about this scripture. It says this, Bring all the tithes, the whole tenth of your income, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and prove to me now by it, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour out a blessing, that there, will be, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I'll rebu rebuke the devourer, the insects and plagues, for your sakes. And he will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor your vine drop its fruit before time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you happy and blessed, for you shall be, the, uh, be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So the promises of tithing in, in our world, now that I've, now I've got some farmers here, they get this. Uh, and if you, last year there was a locust plague, went through New South Wales and into the bottom area of Queensland, and the locusts ate everything. So it just destroyed crops. Uh, and from a farmer's perspective, you get that, you know, yeah, I get that. You're, the things aren't going to drop to the ground before their time. How does that relate to us today? Well, God still rebukes the devour in our life. And, and one of the things I've found about devouring things in our life is you ever had your washing machine break and then your fridge break and then your car breaks down and then something else happens. It's as though there's devouring happening around you. That's devouring in our sense today. And the part of the promises of tithing is that God will rebuke the devourer. That's what he says he'll do. He says that he'll open the windows of heaven so God becomes our provider, not us as our provider. So it doesn't revolve around us, it revolves around him. That he makes a way. And he makes a way, in, not just in our money life, but in every aspect of life, he makes a way. I love hearing stories how God gets involved in people's lives. How you can be in the middle of somewhere and all of a sudden an angel turns up and does something unexpected. Because as you give your life to God, God gets involved and looks after you. And you see it again and again and again. It becomes so familiar that sometimes we don't even recognise it. That God wants to be involved and bless our life. Do you know that word where it says, I'm going to open the windows of heaven? The same word is used in Genesis 7.11, which says, for a great downpour of rain that flooded the earth, the, um, the God said he's going to open the floodgates of heaven in rain. That's the same word. That's the extent of the blessing that he wants to actually flow over you, that you can't contain it, that he wants to flood your life with blessing. That's the promise of tithing. And then it says, you'll be called happy and blessed. What's the world looking for today? Comes up if you, you open... Any newspaper, there's a story about happiness. 
You, you jump onto it and it's about happiness. Google searches, how do I be happy? Well, there's, God promises that as if we actually catch this, you're going to actually encounter that thing in your life. It's interesting because we talk about tithing and talk about people being blessed. There's a guy called uh, Andrew McNair. He's the founder and CEO of Swan Capital. He's a large finance um, large financial advising firm. And this is what he says. He said, some things in life cannot be explained. One of the mysteries of my wealth management practice is the glaring coincidence that a large majority of our wealthiest clients and some of the largest are some of the largest givers and tithers that I've ever met. Isn't that incredible? Uh, And sometimes we've got to correlate that. We've got to get over money. We've got to get over it. Because I see people controlled by it. I've, I've, I know some very wealthy people. And I know some very wealthy people that are so unhappy. They've got all the money in the world and all they worry about is their money. I know some other really wealthy people. And they are so generous and they are a constant blessing. They give away literally millions of dollars and they're really happy. There's some correlation when you get over money and money becomes a tool to you, not your, your, what you become your focus on. It actually becomes something that flows through you. That's where the happiness flows from, if you can catch it. But we've got to get over this thing that holds us back. And how do you know you've got an issue with money? When I talk about money, your heckles go up. That's how you know you've got an issue. (laughs) I know, I've been there, so it's okay, I get it. I remember Moira shared a little bit of the offering. I remember when we first heard about tithing. And you know, I grew up in an Anglican church and we didn't hear about tithing in those days. The plate went around and used to put 20 cents in the plate. And I've seen people actually put some money and take some money out. You've wondered what the change was for, but I did grow up in an Anglican church. Um, so it was, it was never really talked about. And I remember when Moira and I first heard about it, we were, had 46 staff, two, company running in two states. We were in the recession we had to have, and we had uh, one of our uh, customers was fantastic and would pay us every 14 days. We were providing contract services and labour, installing electronic security systems and in large projects, so Garden Island and the big universities and American Express headquarters and all these different things. And uh, one company would pay us every 14 days, literally put an invoice in and they'd pay us. Another company, a large American company, doesn't matter they're American, they just happen to be, um, they would stretch it out as far as we can go, you know, and they would stretch us out to 190 days, wasn't uncommon, and, you know, you're paying wages for 46 people every seven days, and they're not paying you for 190, you know, and it gets, sometimes can get really challenging, and in those days we had, our overdraft was 150k, wasn't it, we had $150,000 overdraft in the business, which was a lot of money in those days, we're going back, I'm old, we're going back a long time, and we're paying 25% interest on the overdraft as well as trying to pay people. And in the middle of that, God says, tithe. And Moira and I are sitting there going, how do we even make ends meet? How, how, this is impossible. But we did it. We did what Malachi said. 
We're going to test you, God, in this one thing. And when we did that, all of a sudden, finances came in from unbelievable sources because we actually chose to believe God. I remember in the middle of the recession, we, uh, we were selling some vehicles in the middle of this recession, so we had a number of cars in our fleet, and uh, in the middle of this recession, we're selling these vehicles. Now, in the middle of the recession is not a good time to sell vehicles. They were all leased, they all had balloon payments, and... Uh, when we actually sold them, we got more than what the blue payments were, which was unheard of. People said, you'll never do it. But God met us every step of the way because we chose to believe him. And tithing is a foundation. People say, why, when I bring an offering, do I see some people blessed and some people not? Well, some people are actually got the financial principles in place and then what they're doing is they're bringing an offering in the financial principles and therefore God moves on that. It's a bit like gravity. Anyone happy gravity works? That when I jump, I come back down and not just float off into some... It works because it's a, it's a law of God. It's no different to any other law of God and the same in this, this particular area. The second thing about finance, which is really important is don't hold unforgiveness. That unforgiveness is something that stops the flow of the blessing of God, not just in money, but in every aspect of your life. And we're going to receive an offering in a couple of weeks' time, and this particular scripture I'm going to share with you next is really important at that time. It's really important, actually, every week when we come and bring an offering, as we bring an offering every week. But God says... If you read the Old Testament back into farming times, he said, don't bring a second-class offering. Don't bring a speckled lamb or your second-class stuff to God. Bring your best. And in our world today, well, watch your best. Because all the money is the same, isn't it? You've got $10 is the same as another $10. It's not speckled or it's not damaged, it's not something you're just giving away $10 or because it's different. But where we bring a speckled offering is our attitude that we bring it in and what we've got in our life. And one of the ways we speckle our offering is unforgiveness. So if you've got and you're bringing an offering, you've got to come in a clean heart. So if you've got some unforgiveness, you've got to actually get rid of it when you bring your offering. And Jesus explains this in Matthew. He says in Matthew 23, 24, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar, and he's literally talking about money and sacrifice, talking about giving, and you suddenly remember that, some, you have, that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice. There's something incredibly powerful about forgiveness. And it relates to everything that we do, but it relates, and Jesus specifically is talking here about when we bring an offering. So the challenge to us is where do we have unforgiveness? And if you've been struggling you've, over years, you've bought offerings, say, oh, well, God doesn't work, and you blame the church and blame God, maybe we need to go back and check ourselves and say, where, where's my heart at the minute? Where, where am I messed up? 
And look, most of us are like the rest of us. There's opportunity to have unforgiveness, isn't there? Our reality. Uh, the chances are, this week you have an opportunity for unforgiveness. But we've got to keep that clean heart, particularly as we bring offerings to God. It's, and the beauty of having a clean heart is we get free in every area. So if you're carrying unforgiveness, it holds you bound. It becomes your prison. And chances are the per person that has offended you doesn't even know. But somehow it locks us up. But it affects us with the area of giving because it affects us in the area of life. So I really want to encourage you, make sure that you don't have any unforgiveness in your life. It makes life better anyway, but particularly in the area of giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 8. Now, two, we, were, we used to be called this season 2C9, 2 Corinthians 9. That's what 2C9 was. But 2C9, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8 says this. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must also decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or out of response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So some key things out of this particular scripture I want you to catch. Be cheerful when you give. Be happy about it. And the, one of the ways we can happy about it is we predetermine what we're going to give. So we don't go, ah, oh, well, look, ah, oh, the pastor looks like he needs something. We'll give him, give him a tip today. And it's, it's not about that. It's not about getting swept up in the emotion or a, a passionate plea to give or with some emotional pictures come up and you, you're caught in the emotion. It actually says, Determine beforehand what you're going to give. Because I don't, as your pastor, I don't want you to have any pressure to give. It's not what we're about. Honestly, it's not what we're about. Our whole heart in this place is that people find freedom in finance because they find freedom in life. And there's no pressure to give. So I, I really encourage you, predetermine what you're going to give. Say, and the way Moira and I do this is we go and pray and ask God separately what we should give. And we get agreement as husband and wife. And usually Moira comes with a big number that scares me because she's been talking to God and I didn't want to listen. And no, but we want agreement. So we go and ask God and we predetermine what we're going to give. And we're happy with that. We're not going, giving it grudgingly. We're not giving it because we've got to want to get something. We've just said, God, what do you want us to give? And when he says a number, that's what we, our, we set our hearts towards giving. Because it actually becomes his problem, not our problem. Our problem is the obedience that if he gets us through to us, that we actually give it. That's our problem. But we do it out of revelation. We don't do it out of, ah, oh, well, a need or anything else. We actually do it out of revelation. God, what do you want us to give? And thirdly, continue to sow. Sometimes I see people, and I've seen this again and again and again in my life, where I've seen business people, they've, they've actually had an experience where they've given a lump of money and God's blessed their business and then all of a sudden their business is growing and, and then they have trouble giving the next amount because it's growing so much. 
can I encourage you to be a constant, you constantly sow and reap. And as your business or your life expands, you constantly sow and reap. Uh, there's some books out there today and I feel a bit like an American evangelist when I've got a book in my hand. And, but there's this book out there today and it's um, a guy, Andrew Denton. Andrew's in Hillsong Church in Sydney. Um, I've known Andrew for a long time. I've seen his life. He started out as a plumber and he had the backside out of his pants working really, really hard and, and then all of a sudden got on him, God got on him around giving and he started to give and um, I've seen him continue to give over the season of his life and I've watched his business grow and grow and grow. And, uh, and what I've got out there today, only for if you're interested, there's about... 15 or 20 books out there left. And if you want one, you can have one. It's, uh, just have a read of it. I love some of the things it says. I like just on the back cover. Living a life of generosity is not reserved for rich people. It's a result of people who are all in for giving God permission to use them as a conduit of his blessing and provision. And it's so true. He's a guy that's written million-dollar checks regularly. But he started out as a plumber, with the backside out of his pants, working ridiculous hours, but then he caught something of God and it flowed through his whole life. And I just want to encourage you, that's why it's out there. And lastly, I want you to have faith. I see a lot of people over the years who give out of obligation, not out of faith. My heart as your pastor is that I want you to give in faith. Believe in God. You say, God, you've said this number to me. It's predetermined. I'm going to give in faith now and I'm going to stand in faith. It's really interesting. When you read Hebrews, there's a, a chapter in Hebrews called Hebrews 11. And it's the, the heroes of the faith chapter. It's a really good chapter. If you want to be inspired, it's, it's heroes. You know, these people have, have taken on cities and you know, they've done amazing things, raised the dead, and they've done all these incredible things, you know, overthrown armies, and all of these people are listed in this, this chapter of the heroes of faith. But interestingly, interestingly, the first hero that's mentioned, it's always really important if you understand hermeneutics, you're always interested in the first instance or what God says first. So it's, it's part of hermeneutics, part of the study of the Bible is you study about and look at what God's saying first, the first instance of something happening. It's interesting in Hebrews chapter 11, the first instance and what first thing that happens there is in Hebrews 11.4, it says this, by faith Abel, Abel bought, a, bought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended for his righteousness when God spoke well of his offerings. I thought, isn't that interesting? This, the first instance was about money. This guy didn't do anything other than bring an offering. He's all he's known for. The only thing he's known for is bringing an offering that was better than his brother's and because he bought it by faith. And I was saying, God, look at all these people. Look at all these people. You know, they did amazing things like Elijah, he Walked on, you know, did stuff. And you got Peter walking on water. You got all these amazing people. Yet the first thing you mentioned was an offering. And I felt God say to me this. He said, Ken, that's because the offerings are the hardest things for people to do. 
It's really easy to do the works. It's really easy and it's quite fun to go and be out with red throgs till three o'clock in the morning and do the works. It's really easy, you know, really and honestly to go and do some work and go and serve in children's church or, or stand on a door and we get a lot of fun and do those things. It's, it's easy it's because it's something we can do. It's really powerful when we bring something that we can't do anything with but God can move on. I thought it was so interesting that the first instance of the heroes of faith, the only thing he's known for is bringing an offering. I find that incredibly challenging and I, and I do think it's there because I think we all struggle. We all struggle with it. And one of the ways we deal with it is we don't talk about it. Well, we won't do that as a church because we talk about the things because we want you to be blessed. In this particular area, we want you to be blessed in. We don't want you to be, feel obligated. We don't want you to feel like, oh, we've got to do this. And We actually want you to catch the God deal of this, not a church deal. Not a Ken deal, the God deal. That's why we spend the time and talk with the area of finances. We don't shy away from it because the reality is I know with all of my heart because I've seen it so many times. When people catch this, their life changes for the better. That's why we spend the time. The reality the actual reality is God, God does not care about the amount you give. It's not about the amount. Really, it's not. It's about the attitude we give it with. And I really encourage you, if you can't get faith for giving, don't give. Because you'll only get hurt. And I don't want you to be hurt. I want you to get faith around it. Because as you then sow, you reap because it's out of faith. The only thing Abel was commended for was his faith in his offering. You see, Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. To come back to the beginning of where we started today, it's not about just the money, it's about our life. It's about those that earnestly seek Him. He will be rewarded. You will be rewarded. And one of the evidences of this is money. That as we sow, we sow into the future. I love the fact that we stand in this building right now that used to be a lettuce field. And a group of 25-year-olds. Sometimes we miss that. Sometimes we think, oh, the church is started by these bunch of old people who've been around for a long time. No, it was a bunch of 25-year-olds, 25 to 30, who said, we've got a vision. And then we can stand on the shoulders of those giants now. Some are still in this church. Some have passed and gone to be with Jesus. 
But we look across here and you can see this building, you can see the little church where it started from and the school in the back of that church building to now millions of dollars worth of buildings because someone had faith to believe in the future, believe in the generations to make a difference. You see, God doesn't need your money. He just wants your heart. He just wants your heart. It's what he's interested in. But what I've found is this, and Scripture says it, we can so determine where our heart is by where our money goes. If you've got a passion for cars, your money goes to cars. If you've got a passion for motorbikes, your money goes to motorbikes. I notice when people get engaged, the passion goes towards a ring because their passion is about that person that they've fallen in love with. But it's so easy to determine where people's passions are by the amount of money they spend on them. And all God wants is our heart. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you as we live in this, can be sometimes challenging seasons we talk about money. But Father, that you want us to have breakthrough in this. I know you do. You so desperately want your people to be free. Hey, Father, we pray for, I pray for every member of this church right now. Father, I lift, I lift all pressure off them in the area of finance. There's no pressure in this place. Father, if there's perceived pressure, I remove it. If the enemy talks about it to their ears, I block their ears so they don't hear the enemy speak. Because, Father, you want freedom for people. That your heart is for freedom. That your heart is to raise a generous an age of generosity, an age of believers that are generous in every aspect of their life, not just their money, but their life. That they're marked by you, Father, where the world looks at them and goes, wow, you are different because they've been with you. And Father, it's so evident in the area of our finances where our heart is. So Father, I pray you help us in this season but not only in this season, that you help us from now on. That as we ask you, Father, you give us numbers and that we'll be obedient for those numbers. In Jesus' name. Hey, just while every eye's closed and every head's bowed, and we do this in every service, and I promised at the start of the service that I would give you an opportunity to know Jesus. And the way we do that here is just while no one's looking around, just while every eye's closed, every head's bowed, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you'd like to ask Jesus into your heart. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to invite you out the front, but I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. That is an, an outward sign of an inward decision. That's what that is. That you're saying yes to God. And out of that, you're raising your hand and saying yes to God. I want to give you that opportunity right now. So right across this room right now, while no one's looking around, is that you? You've never given your life to Jesus or maybe you've been away from God and this morning you're coming back. You're saying yes to God that I want to give you my whole life, not just part of my life. So right across this room right now, as I look around, if that's you, would you raise your hand so I can pray with you this morning? 
Just as I look across this room, right now, I see that hand. Awesome. Right there, I see that hand. Right, I look across this room right now. Is that you? You've never given your life to Christ or you're coming back this morning. Last time I'm asking this morning, I don't want to prolong it, but it's so important. You matter to God and you matter to us. Fantastic. Well, why don't you pray with me? If you raised your hand, why don't you pray this hip? this prayer with me. If you didn't raise your hand and you really wanted to, why don't you pray this prayer as well? But pray it from the heart. What I mean by that is sincerely pray it. Mean what you say. It's a simple prayer, you know. It says this, Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Saviour. Forgive me for anything I've ever done wrong. And God, I ask you to be so real to me right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover purpose and make a difference. For more resources and to connect with us, find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and our website.